Hi, I'm Garth Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's the night before the 1000, and Ford starts ahead of Holden in the great race. Yeah, Bathurst shootout. I mean, it doesn't mean anything for tomorrow. Um, but you'd be kidding if you said it wasn't a, a thing we all wanted to achieve, a pole position here. It's a pretty cool moment. We set the field tonight as the lights go out on a special edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Here's the news on the V8 Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. The chase has been run and it will be a Ford and Holden on the front row. Two great mates, Will Davison and Jamie Wincup. Did you think you could ever be that close in different cars in qualifying for the mountain? Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, we're both in top teams, top cars, and we're both at the top of our game. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. You get tracked yourself, your green set of tyres and uh, you go and rag it and clearly uh, we both know how to push hard and got strengths in different areas and it's going to come down to a small margin so you know we've been on the front row a lot of times together and uh, this being the biggest race of the year that was that was pretty cool to come down to such a sh- stupidly close margin with the, the passion of the, the fans on the hill really really make it actually uh, what it is because sometimes you forget how big a deal this is for all these people. Jamie when you're looking at the time and you know that you're right there when you get across the line, what's that emotion when you know that it didn't go the way you thought? Oh, obviously, just a bit of disappointment, you know. But um, when you look from the outside, um, you know, Dave and I have been battling hard all year and, and, and this weekend, really. Um, both cars have been extremely quick, uh, quick in different areas, um, which is going to make the, uh, the the racing quite spicy. So, um, as Will said, you know, it was, it was great. Everyone was, uh, everyone was up, you know, in the, in the stands. Um, they, they really enjoyed it, which is what Saturday's all about. What's going to keep you in front of your great mate here for the rest of the weekend? Oh, obviously we're going to need to, uh, yeah, all of us are going to need to be mistake free and we're going to need a quick, reliable car. So it's, it's going to be a race and it's going to be a race over a long period. One stint I'll be quicker, the next he'll be quicker and we'll see where we come at the end of the race. But, um, yeah, as I said, we need a bit of the Bathurst gods to, to be on your side at Bathurst and uh, we've both won the race and we've both, you know, I've had some shockers as well, so I don't certainly get ahead of myself tonight. We'll just uh, put our best foot forward and see what happens. So you're going to be ahead of him and help on us? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, the, I think the start of the race is the least important part of it. You know, it's um, it's just getting in, getting into a rhythm, of course, um, and yeah, just trying to cycle through the cycle uh, through the um, the stints. So no, it's going to be it should be good. Hopefully, um, hopefully there's no rain. Hopefully there's no weather on the mat. Um, we can just get out there and go hard for 161 laps in the dry. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. So the shootout was David Reynolds setting the first time a two 
minute 8.88 second lap. Owen couldn't match the time of the bottle-owed car, then it was Tander determined not to let his disappointment of qualifying get in his way, taking four-tenths of a second off the bottle-owed time. Tim Slade was the next out in his first Bathurst Top 10 shootout, and although he had the team's heart in their mouths on a couple of occasions, his time was only good enough for second, with six drivers still to come. Van Gisbergen was the next in the car and it was the SP tool drivers putting together a great middle sector to grab back some time and finish off the lap with a pole time of 2.08.17. Lowndes could not find the speed of the earlier runners in the shootout, taking fifth fastest at the time. Will Davison was pushing hard and fast, going fastest in all three sectors and knocked off Van Giz's time to become the pole man with his teammate Mark Wiederbottom out on the circuit. But the number five was not quick enough up the hill and had to settle with third. Coulthard? Coulthard was the second last car out onto the track and after a slow start and nearly taking out the forest elbow wall, he finished fourth. Wing Cup's lap, the final man on the track. Nine one-thousandths of a second faster than Davison in the first sector. Two ten-thousandths of a second fastest in the second sector. But it was three hundredths of a second that separated him from pole position. Friday qualifying was kicked off with the HRT number two in Griffin's Bend tyre barrier. Garth Tander talked about the incident. Yeah, thanks. I've never been to a press conference for finishing eighth before, but... Um... <laughs> It uh, obviously um, had a lock-up going into Turn 2. Um, new rotors on the front and the inconsistency from set to set that we've had this weekend has been very, very average and it just grabbed the front um, front tyre and um, it wouldn't unlock. So I was on the manual ABS all the way into the apex and it wouldn't unlock and just a passenger into the wall there. So um, it buried itself under the tyre barrier and um, got reversed and dug myself out and uh, came back to the pits and... Had to spend a fair bit of time um, doing some pretty crude panel beating. The boys did a fantastic job to get it back into shape. And um, the first run, we just went out and checked to make sure there was nothing rubbing. And then the next two runs, we used two sets of tyres and punched out two eight ones. So um, you know, to be end up you know eighth and actually not too far off the, the fastest time, we're pleasantly surprised to be honest with you. So um, we'll obviously got a bit of work to do tonight to fix her up, but uh, we'll do some tuning in the in the practice tomorrow and um, see what happens in the shootout. Had that not been a compromised session and the car was in optimum trim, where do you see yourself ending up at the end of that one? Tander explained what was going through his head when they called the red flag on the radio during the qualifying session, which would normally see you excluded from the results. Well, they didn't actually call red on the radio because it didn't come out until I started driving away. So, um, uh, so I saw the red flag was out and, and I started trying to recall the rule book in my head as I was driving back to pit lane. And um, um, evidently at uh, the endurance races, the... Red flag, you bring the red flag out rule, doesn't count. So then we were trying to work out whether or find out whether they were going to take our fastest lap from us. Um, in the end, that didn't matter either because we did two laps exactly the same. So um, all we could do was not worry about what that was. Once they said, no, that's fine, you can restart. Uh, all we could do was fix the car up the best we could and, um, and do two fast laps and on the off chance that they were going to take one of us away. So um, we did that, did all that, uh, ticked all the boxes and we made ourselves into the shootout. Mark Winterbottom, who was third fastest, was not afraid to nominate Jamie Winkup as his favourite for the 1,000. Oh, he'd, he'd be sure to win it, Jamie. If he, <laughs> if he doesn't... Oh. Jamie Winkup was not too quick to accept Frosty's recommendation. I think you've just got to go on the past results. Um, 
And at the end of the day, Lounge and uh, Luffy have been very, very strong up here. Um, and as I've said during the week, um, GT's won two out of three. So those guys still got to be the favourites in my eyes. Fabian Coulthard said he wasn't surprised to be second in qualifying. On, on, on past performance, you know, BJR's been pretty good here in the past. Um, you know, Bridie's been very quick here and, you know, the cars generally have been very good. So, you know, I came here with um, an expectation, you know, expectations to be um, running inside the top ten. If we can get closer than that, you know, we're being realistic about, you know, our position in our team. Um, but look, you know, I'll take a win and, and you know, sitting here... Um, I'm pretty happy, you know, like it's um, obviously with the way the track is and the heat and everything like that, everyone's dealing with the same conditions um, and you do the best job you can. Paul Dumbrell spoke about being a co-driver at Bathurst. I drink a lot more coffee. Um, it, it, it's, it's different, obviously. Sandown was, was similar like that. So, um, you know, we're employed to come up here and do a job. Um, obviously, we're not, we're not qualifying the car. So, you know, in practice and, and whatnot, you don't have to, obviously, you know, sort of try to wring the neck of the car. You've just got to feel comfortable and make sure that, you know, come Sunday afternoon, you can sort of slot 25 laps fairly consistently. So I think at Sandown, we did a reasonable job of that. I felt comfortable in the car. So we sort of come up here not having to change a seat or anything like that uh, for any issues we had at Sandown. So, you know, it's, it's different, um, but sort of enjoying it. So it's not as hard. Gary Rogers talked to the V8 Insiders about returning to Bathurst this year and if it still had the same aura in Australian motorsport and particularly his eyes. Certainly Bathurst is a special, well, yes, it's a special place because of the town and the circuit. Uh, I don't think it's as big, I mean the race is certainly big but the, the whole series is so big today that to, to our team we try and prepare for just another race but the fact is the hype that surrounds Bathurst is there whether you like it or whether you don't. A lot of arguments about the races like Clipsal getting to uh, that level of importance in the Australian motorsport psyche. Do you, do you think there is that comparison you can make? Nothing will ever replace Bathurst as a great race because it is exactly that. But I think places like uh, certain, certainly Adelaide, Townsville... Um, They are great events as versus great races. The atmosphere of those, you know, the fact, I mean, look, Bathurst, whether we like it or not, it's a bloody country town, right? So for a country town, it's amazing, isn't it? But when you've got a race in a, a capital city like Adelaide, with all that goes with it, it has a certain sort of attraction. And there's a place for them all, in my opinion. With in the Dunlop series, it was Nick Perkhead who took the victory over... Chas Mosert in an exciting second race which saw the cars nose to tail as they crossed the finish line. One of the most amazing things out of that race was the post-race press conference. A simple question led to an amazing exchange between first and second. Chas, do you think uh, you're at a slight disadvantage by not being uh, part of the 1,000 and these guys having the extra laps? I'm sure like uh, these guys would have probably knew the track conditions a little bit more this morning after we've had the big break all day and we and we get in the car in the Arvo. But um, um, definitely probably a lot fresher than what these guys are this weekend. So uh, it's got its pros and cons. But um, the good thing is I can go home tonight and have a monster and watch the race tomorrow while these guys can't have a monster or a rock star or whatever they have and and um, have to a big double stint tomorrow or whatever they have to do and I'll just be in my lounge chair. So good luck to them. Right, you've been here three years too, so you're not a rookie. There you go, same amount of years as me. Okay. Well, you tagged the wall yesterday, or last year in the thousands. Yeah. So. I know, but we keep talking about you being a rookie, mate. You're not a rookie anymore. 
All right. Thanks, buddy. Sorry. See you at Winton. We will. Phew. Triple Eight chop it in the Lowndes Luff Commodore to launch the Brock Tribute livery. Peter Jamison talking to the V8 Insiders about the decision to do the design. Well, we've tried to recognise the association Craig had with Peter, and also I guess uh, it's a whole we're a holding team. And what, what's, what was iconic at Bathurst? Well, when I was growing up, the 79-82 Holden Dealer team was just a, 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 a sensational results. So it wasn't that hard. We just went straight back to what we thought was the iconic car. And uh, we showed it to Craig. Craig goes, well, I've got great pictures myself. We dug them all out and suddenly the uh, 1982 car appeared in front of us. So uh, that's where we end up with it. It is difficult, though, because the 1982 car, not only did the words on it replicate something you can't advertise anymore, but the design was a direct reflection of something you can't advertise anymore. And you've had to be very subtle in the way that you've changed it so you don't get into a jackpot of of uh, advertising something that is illegal to advertise. Well, you're 100% right. Um, for those who are eagle-eyed, I guess, that we've reversed uh, the Marlborough you know, diamond. Instead of going upwards, it goes downwards. Um, we don't run the font. Um, we've run the normal Vodafone font. We did do a, set of, a version of artwork that had uh, the Vodafone in the Marlborough font, but uh, we, we were comfortable with what we had with the normal Vodafone font. But... Um, it, I think most people understand where we're coming from and what it looks like. Um, was there a, probably the most questions have been asked? Why did we go to the '84 livery with the uh, the, the uh, fluoro, with the big banger? And to be honest, we've already got fluoro in one car, so we're happy keeping what we've got. So I think it's a good combination. And the merchandise, everyone seems to get the merchandise. Although I think if uh, the Sydney Swans hadn't won last weekend, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have been asked why we're wearing Swans jumpers today. <laughs> A critical thing, though, is you sold out of merchandise on Thursday. That was the first day of a four-day Bathurst. It, it, it obviously just exceeded all expectations. Yeah, we're completely undercooked, massively undercooked. In hindsight, um, it's easy to say we should have got better, but in the end of the day, a thousand shirts is a thousand shirts. That's a good sale. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not unhappy. And we can do it. We can always go and make them again. So we're taking orders online, and if people want one, they can get one. So that, the big thing for our listeners here tonight is get online if you want to grab some of this stuff. Is it only T-shirts you're going to keep printing or are you going to do hats and sweaters and it things depends, like that? It all depends on the volume. If it comes down, we, we all have minimums to, to produce to. But uh, the uh, success shirt last year, the uh, fluoro shirt that we did at uh, Homebush, uh, we ended up with about 800 orders for that. So it was worthwhile going back and doing that. So who knows what the numbers will be like when we, we tally it up at couple of weeks time and that's news on the v insiders night before the 500 check out the latest edition of v magazine it'll give you all the inside views of the 50 years at the mountain and of course it's available at all good news agents and online at the mag shop for ipad after the break it's the round table as we set the field for the 1000 i hope you'll stay with us controversy corner is next when we return with more on the v8 insiders You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing: V8 supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. <laughs> Welcome back to the V8 Insiders for our biggest podcast ever, our biggest night before the 1000 of all time. I'm joined by the editor of V8X Magazine, Adrian Mussolino. From Inside Motorsport, it is Peter Norton. Marinelli Motorsports, Paul Marinelli, and of course from VADX Magazine, it's Andrew Clark. Guys, uh, an interesting weekend so far here at the Mountain, and Adrian, uh, well, the top ten shootout we saw just a, a few moments ago has seen a Ford and a Holden start on the front row in the last time it'll just be Ford and Holden in this race. Yeah, it's fitting for the occasion and obviously the 50th year. Um, it looked as though it was going to be a Ford uh, sweep of the top three, but Jamie put it up there in second on his last go, despite you know raindrops on the, on the horizon. So, yeah, it's good. You know, Ford Holden, um, five Fords and five Holdens in the top ten, so it's evenly balanced. All right, now going back to Friday, which is how we set the shootout. A couple of interesting things, Clarky. We saw Tanda into the turn two wall in the very early part of that qualifying session. And uh, I guess a lot of us were thinking at the time, there's a 29th starting position for HRT. Yeah, of course, some of us thought that because of the rules around red flags, but of course they don't apply here. Um, But what we've since found out is that uh, the damage to the front end and the reshaping of the nose and the sticky tape, uh, they had three kilometres per hour extra down Conrad Strait, um, which was helping his times at the end of the day. Um, he said yesterday it was very wobbly up top and it was nervous and understeer and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he got the times out of it, which uh, I suppose is what Garth Tander does. Just when, just when you want to write him off, he um, comes in and proves you wrong. Of course, uh, Paul, it was interesting because it, it was a real NASCAR job and probably fortunate that it came so early in the session. Yeah, very much so because they were able. luckily the damage wasn't too heavy. And they were able to, he actually said as he was driving the car back over the radio that it actually felt good. So they just made sure everything was all right. And it's a, it's, it's a testament to the sort of driver he is to, to be able to get back out there after such, having made such a big mistake. Uh, and set a great time to put him well within the top ten shootout and ending up sixth in the shootout as a result of that. But uh, he is very fortunate given we're at an endurance race, absolutely. And of course, the last car to go out and set any sort of time was Craig Lowndes. Garth Tanner, in fact, had had two pit stops before Lowndes even set a time. Uh, yes, and, and I guess Lowndes uh, not being at the pointy end uh, this weekend is one of the, the talking points. He's got the uh, very flash uh, paint scheme, but that hasn't given him any real speed. Does anyone think there's a lot of pressure being applied to him with the fancy paint scheme, or is it just... It doesn't matter. You've got to wait till a thousand k's are run. No, I think I, I don't think Craig feels pressure in that sense at all. I mean, I think you'll, you'll find if you look back through history, Craig's not the best qualifier that we've seen, and um, I don't think he's overly stressed about whether he's first or tenth on the grid, so long as he stays out of trouble early in the race. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be fine. And uh, as Will Davison said in the press conference just before, he's a machine up here, and uh, anybody who wants to think that him starting in ninth or eighth or whatever it is is going to be a problem, um, they're kidding themselves. Now Perkins. Oh, sorry, Adrian? 
No, I was just going to say we need to remember what happened at Sandown where the FBRs and Triple Eights were well down on the grid and they came through and it was between them at the end of the day and uh, this race here is double the distance so um, qualifying at the end of the day isn't irrelevant. Now, it was interesting because uh, Perkins qualified the Premit car and uh, that is, that's quite interesting and evidently he was plagued with mechanical issues. He said he was driving by Braille. Yeah, Jack was chosen to qualify the car because uh, Gary said it just felt at that point in time that a little bit of extra mileage around the track was going to be important and then of course Jack's gone out there and he's had no dashboard or electric so he hasn't known his shift points or anything along those lines so he was driving by Braille because he was uh, riding until it hit the rev limiter and then he changed gears and bang so you know I don't think it's the easiest way to drive a lap around here and uh, you know a bit of a pity because I think Jack had a good opportunity to uh, stake a claim for a return to the main game there and uh, he, he just ended up falling out of luck. I'll ask Peter Norton this because the Norton car, the number 17 Moffat car, which hasn't turned true blue yet but will, well, is starting to as we speak, and uh, he looked like 2010. He was off the road so many times and it looked like the pressure was really on him. Yes, uh, Moffat has shown a little bit of uh, speed in glimpses in the last uh, couple of rounds, but uh, he doesn't seem to have the, all of his stuff together uh, so far. So let's uh, hope that a, a change of colour overnight uh, may uh, change the attitude and uh, they'll be able to do things a bit more smoothly. Now, Wing Cup was the fastest, and of course, uh, with all the talk of what the weather might be like on Saturday, Adrian, he was perhaps the bunny in some respects, looking like he might be robbed of a good starting position again. Yeah, and that happened to him last year, um, and he, I think he was eight last year, so he got caught out, and he said in the press conference that he thought it was a case of deja vu and it was going to happen again, but no, he said when he went up the mountain, he saw it was dry, and he attacked it as if it was a dry track, and he almost snatched it at the end of the day. It was, you know, hundredths in it, and I think he's looking the strongest in terms of race pace and consistent lap times, and... You know, starting from second place, I think that's his first front row here as well. So he looks very strong for tomorrow. Now it was interesting in that Friday press conference because uh, they were asked on a couple of occasions who was the favourite, and your man Frosty Paul, he was quite happy to lay a bit more pressure over at Jamie Winkup as as we heard in the news. Yeah, and, and you know, there's that rivalry between them. At the end of the day, the point was brought up. Um, by Adrian very well. There are two teams fighting this championship this year. It's FBR and Triple Eight. Um, they've both got the best races. They've both got the best cars at the moment. And you know, you mentioned about Craig starting from tenth or whatever. That's not a problem at all. He's one of the best races in the field. I mean, you know, these guys really know what they're doing, and they're the two teams fighting for it. So uh, if Frosty wants to put a bit more pressure on Jamie and vice versa. That's that's all good. But I tell you now, they're the two teams will be fighting for the win here. I have no doubt at all. Yeah, well, the Dick Johnson Racing Team had more problems in Saturday morning practice with a, a drive shaft coming awry. Does anyone give any of the Dick Johnson cars a chance? And is anyone going to say it rather than just shaking their head? No. It's just terribly inconsistent, horribly inconsistent this year. And the glimpses of speed that Peter mentioned also with Moff, you know, you think, gee, you know, maybe they are coming good and then it all goes bad again. It's just very, very, very inconsistent. The capability is there. We know they're a good team, but this year it's just been so inconsistent. You can't win Bathurst like that. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll come back and set the field on the other side. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. It's the V8 Insiders here the night before the 1000, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the website today, Nobrac. That's www.nobrac.com.au. Andrew Clark, Paul Marinelli... Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino joining me, Craig Ravel. And we set the field in traditional style from the rear. And it's the Shannon's carsales.com.au car that'll start 29th. The youngest ever pairing in the V8 supercar, or in fact in the 1000 history. Do we think these guys can get into the top 15 even? No, not in the slightest. I mean, they're struggling for speed there. Uh, who knows what the quality of the car's like, but they're just struggling so badly that, uh, you know, I don't see Cam Waters as no faster than he was last year, and uh, if they don't finish last, um, it'll only be because other cars have had trouble. I, I don't think they're struggling for, for that much speed. Considering their inexperience, they're only 2.7 seconds off pole position. So 2.7 seconds times 161 laps. Yeah, but it's, it's not about race position for them. It's about bringing it home, getting some experience. Um, I, I think that's... I, what, what I'd rather look at, rather than the one, the one lap time that they managed to do, is how many laps have they done that have been within five or six seconds of the fast guys. And I think tomorrow you're going to see them wobbling around the track somewhere in the 13s to 15s early, and I don't think it'll get much better as the day goes on. In the old days when we had lots of retirements, which reliability now is so good, you could just keep circulating and you'll end up with a top 10 or 15 result. That doesn't happen anymore. But I think it's a credit to Cameron and to Jesse having his first run, let's point out. you know, He has not put a mark on that car, has not put a wheel off. He's done it, They've both done an extraordinary job. And that's really, that's really impressive. So if they can just keep it circulating for as long as the car stays together, because that's going to be a big issue as well, um, then they would have done well. And that's a good debut. OK, the Kelly's fourth car in the field is the number 11 Fairdingham Sheds racing car of Carl Reindler and Daniel Gaunt. Now, they're no slouches. Their times were very consistent between both drivers. Unfortunately, if you're starting 28th, you're not in the best light. No, and, and let's be honest, those cars have struggled all year, um, the Kelly Racing. The focus is very much on 2013 and Nissan, and we're seeing the result of that on track. Um, Carl's a, you know, he's a good steerer. He's better than the car is, and I think, you know, it, it's a struggle at the moment, but that's the reality of where that team is at. Um, but it looks good at least. It is one of the better, it's one of the better liveries out there. Uh, yes, it, it's uh, sort of crisp and clean, and it's not cluttered by you know throwing uh, a modern day sponsor's logo over a, a 1970s uh, uh, design on a car. Um, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, embarrassingly, it's true to form. Uh, is that that, that car is uh, running really... the same lap times? You think? <laughs> yeah. Sadly, Carl, Carl, and Dan deserve better. Um, I think Carl's deserved better all season. It's just one of those situation, sadly, of that team with their focus being firmly on next season, as Adrian said. Mm. All right, the uh, Taz Douglas and Scott Pye entry is the next one, the Team I Select car, starting out of 27th. And once again, no real surprise that that car's down there. It has been all year. Yeah, they've had periods of the season where they've sort of bumped up into the midfield, but 
Taz and Scott are the most inexperienced pair aside from the wildcard entry and for them it's about mileage. I think it's Taz's first attempt as a main, as a lead driver. So I think it's another entry, you know, hoping to get to 161 laps and um, it'll be interesting there to see the comparisons of lap times because if you believe the paddock chat, Scott could be putting pressure on Taz for that seat next year. So there could be a bit of an inter-team battle there. All right, then anyone else want to talk about them before? We've already spoken about Jack Perkins and Andre Premet. So the next one is the man that, well, you're hoping that you're going to get $50 off our good friend Justin Dealey at, at uh, iNet Picks because uh, he's starting out a 25th and Dealey said he's going to be on the podium. Uh, can I just say I don't endorse betting of any, you know, tyre farm. <laughs> it's it's just, just a bit of a friendly friendly banter between Justin and I. Um, yeah, I thought that entry would be a lot better. Um, Ingle's been strong at the last... So did he. Just <laughs> three better. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ingle's been strong at, at Eastern Creek and at, um, where were we, Sandown? Um, and Queensland Raceway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he has good history here. Christian Clean's done well. So, yeah, surprised to see them there. Um, and they're the title sponsor. So if you're yeah. ever going to tweak a car... You'd be doing it for the one that your sponsor is leveraging the most on, Pearl. No, no one will say it, but I, I'll have a go. Like At the end of the day, look, he's been a great driver, and, and, and all credit to him, he's a champion and all the rest of it, but his time's passed. Right. Team Hyflex, the Dalbertos, are they just running out the Ford parts to get into a Holden next year? Oh, that's a bit cynical. Uh, no, I think they're having a serious go, but... Um, I mean, we all know what this place is like, and if you have a look at the, you know, the lap times and the gaps from from pole down to this spot, it's not massive. You know, I remember back in the old days when you'd be seeing a second and two seconds between, you know, the cars in the top ten, and now you're only talking a couple of seconds between there and you know top and, and last. Um, so it kind of works really well. But you know, um, the question is, you know, are, are they running our parts? No, I just think they're uh, reflective of the season. They've been very up and down, and this is it, up and down. All right then. Well, I think it, uh, that car, but uh, also the iSelect car, it reflects how tough it is to be a one-car team. Uh, you know, the resources, the, the whole business of our supercars, it doesn't work as a one-car team anymore. Uh, the next car on the grid is the 51, Greg Murphy back at the wheel. And uh, I have to say, Owen Kelly, Greg Murphy, an interesting combination, those two. But uh, my partner said to me when she saw photos of the car, it looked like someone threw up on the bonnet. Is this the worst of the Pepsi liveries we've seen? Uh, we've seen some bad ones. No, no disrespect to Pepsi. Um, yeah, interesting design. I think, like the Rhineland entry, that car suffers from what's going on at Kelly Racing and the Nissan program. Murphy is a is a gun around here. We've seen it over the years. Last year he was on pole, and you know here he is, what twenty third. So. Um, Again, it's, it's like Ryan, it's a shame because he deserves better than where he is. And he's in pain. He's in physical pain. He's, he's, he's battling that as well and with the car not being good. He's got dialing phone numbers all the time, keeping on the track. It can't be easy for him. Like, let's hope they have a good race tomorrow. He's, yeah, he is good. No one's good enough to bring it to a finish, but they're going to have to work hard. The car's not up to the job. And anyone who's not a baby boomer is thinking now, how does a fella drive... Dialing phone numbers. <laughs> you need to look at a rotisserie phone if there's even one around. Hey, there's a pink car out there. It's the Wilson Security Racing car. And uh, that car, the third of the Brad Jones Racing cars, where do we think is a credible finish for that team? I think they've qualified well considering where Wall has tended to qualify throughout the year. Um, he tends to have been sort of mid 
20s, lower um, bottom 20s. So I think 22nd was quite good. Um, we know what Brad Jones is like. Brad Jones Racing is like around here. They always deliver good cars. So I think they could be a contender for a top 15. Well, I think we all like to see a little bit of pink out there, but uh, this thing's just not going to go that well at the end of the day. And I reckon if they get somewhere around the 20s, um, maybe 15th, that'll be a good result for those guys. 21st is the Jim Beam Racing Car of Dean Fiore. As we already have highlighted, it hasn't been a good weekend for Dick Johnson Racing, but that's the lowest of the cars. Yeah, and, and, and Dean's, we know Dean's got a bit of speed, but again, inconsistency is the problem, not only from his driving, but also from the team, as I pointed out earlier. Um, but you never know, he might come up and get a finish if, they, if they've got a reliable car, but uh, whether it'll be a strong one, top 15, maybe, you know, maybe, but uh, it's certainly got some speed, there's no doubt about it. Now the Techno Autosports 91 entry is next with Patrice, he's starting 20th, Peter. Um, yes, uh, d- does that include his, uh, I understand he's got a, uh, a five-grid uh, spot penalty uh, to shift him back a few spots, and that's because he held up Jason Bright during qualifying. Um, I guess they'd be fairly disappointed with uh, some of their speed there because at some of the earlier rounds, uh, uh, both cars from Techno Motorsports had uh, shown some good speed uh, in their early qualifying sessions, and uh, you know, they're really not reflecting that today. Yeah, no, going to have to check the grid tomorrow because my grid says preliminary here. Doesn't include the penalty. Doesn't include the penalty. Well, not that I can see. That's not preliminary. Yeah. Oh, that, uh, well, so, so there. All right. So it looks like it could be 25th. 25th. It looks like for Techno Autosports. Okay, number seven, Todd Kelly, Jack Daniels entry with. Of course, uh, Tim Blanchard beside him. I think they're going to have a very tough day tomorrow. I mean, uh, I spoke to Todd a little bit earlier and I was watching him trying to work out how to get in and out of the car with his shoulder problem and uh, they're going to really struggle. I mean, Todd's uh, in a lot of pain um, and he can't get out of the car. Um, somebody's actually going to have to physically drag him out of the car because he can't lift himself out. So yeah, there's going to be some funny-looking pit stops, I think, when we're watching it on the TV or whatever, but uh, they're going to be in for a really tough day. Costly tug-of-war effort. Yeah, I mean, of all things, to be injured by a tug-of-war is against his brother, of all things, as well. He wasn't going to give in because it was his brother, so he just he held on as tight as he could. He's pulling and saying, you're not going to beat me, Ricky, you're not going to beat me, Ricky. And then, you know, his arms fall out of his socket. Guys, the next of the Jim Beam cars, it's the 18 car of Stephen Johnson and Alan Simonson. Alan Simonson's a gun. He potentially could have won this race a few years ago, and... Uh, well, he, he's been in, in position a couple of times to win this race. It's unlikely we're going to see some of those great laps that we saw in 2009, 2010 from this team. Yeah, but, but out, of the, out of all the DJR cars, this is the one to watch. I mean, Steve's a great steerer. As you say, he's got a great partner, and uh, they know their way around here, and if they can find a comfortable race setup, they may get a good result tomorrow. Uh, we've got to remember with Dick Johnson Racing, there's a lot of speculation around them this weekend given the links of Mazda and a potential new partner. So I think that might be affecting things and they might have their eye a bit off the ball. I think it would definitely be having an impact on Steve because, as we know, he's in, integrally involved in running the business these days. So, you know, And he's, um, the bloke who's coming in, in is one of his personal sponsors, so you know, there's connections and things in there. But, you know, yeah, could be a tough day for them as well. All right, the number 17, it, it qualified all through this weekend in the traditional colours. Right now it's getting turned into true blue. What do you think of, firstly, that idea of... of having the car run its traditional colours and then race day make the change? Oh, I don't know why they didn't do it from day one, uh, considering everyone else did. 
Um, I don't have a problem with it. It's just uh, it's interesting for the fans because they'll be like, where did that car come from? Uh, particularly if they've had a few... 1980. A few, a few jungle, jungle juices the night before. I as, think as they, they just didn't want to uh, go into a shootout and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with yeah. bad memories. That car didn't qualify. But, um, but no, good on them. And I think it just falls into the flavour of the 50th anniversary. and 50th year. 50th year, yep. Yeah, let's get that right. Something. Because next year's the 50th anniversary. But we won't even go. And it's the 52nd uh, race tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's just... Good on your V8 supercars, you did well. <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind the true blue livery, why not? You know? All right, the 34th. Oh, uh, we have to remember that part of the Dick Johnson's legacy here at uh, Mount Panorama is uh, when he had the Greens Top Falcon uh, stuck, it off, stuck it off the road during the uh, top 10 and they had to repaint another car overnight. Mm-hmm. So this is. We couldn't find it, so they repainted it. <laughs> so, so this is recreating that history. And uh, a, a bit of other people uh, maybe into numerology. Car 17 out of 17, car 18 out of 18. Then the 34 is the Fujitsu racing car of Michael Caruso. Caruso is a good, solid driver. He's got a good, solid teammate. Where do we think this car could potentially end up, considering it's starting 16th? I was a bit surprised, actually, to see them down in 16th. I thought um, Michael was a really good shot for a top 10. And, uh, you know, and at one stage, I think he was looking quite good. I haven't spoken to him, but uh, maybe he got balked or something on one of his quick laps. But I actually think that's a top 10 car, without a doubt. And, you know, I think uh, without being into gambling with, along with Adrian, you know, it'd be interesting to see what its odds are on a podium. And, uh, you know, you could get some pretty nice odds on that. And, you know good bit of luck. I mean, you know, no one thought they'd, um, Gary Rogers would win in 2000 either, and uh, the cards just fell their way, and the next thing you know, there's um, Tander and Bug standing on the top step, so anything's possible. Um, yeah, could be, could do alright. All right, the start of the top 15 is Irwin Racing. Lee Holsworth, he'd be bitterly disappointed with that start. Yeah, well, his two teammates are in the 10, so he's um, well off their pace, so um, his first time here in a Ford, I think we need to remember that. Um, he's been in it all season, obviously, but this place is different to other tracks, so he might need some adjustment. Same with Craig Baird, who's been in Holden for the last few years and now switched back. Of course, Baird, he's done well in the Carrera Cup, so it's not as if he doesn't know his way around. Yeah, and, and Lee had problems with the car yesterday as well, so um, he says that you know, they've been having problems with it for the last three rounds. Once they try to drag that qualifying lap out of it, it just goes into another direction. And, uh, so he's having a bit of a struggle in qualifying, but he says a car is incredibly good and consistent uh, over distances. So, you know, he thinks that that is far from reflective as to where he'll be tomorrow. Holden Racing team, it's James Courtney starting out of position number 14. Is this a top 10 or top 5 prospect, Paul? Well, you know, if he can keep, keep it without hitting anything, I suppose he'll be all right. I mean, it's no offence to James, but he's had a number of silly mistakes this season. Uh, we know the cars haven't been up to it, but look what Garth's been able to do in other races as well this year. I mean, he really, he can do it. He can get a good result here. If he's got his mindset to it, the team can do it. Um, they've just been horribly disappointing this weekend for that particular car, I've got to say. I think for the potential that it has, it certainly hasn't lived up to it at all. The 15, Jack. Oh. Well, Paul, you spoke about potential, but really this is true to form. That This mm. is where he qualifies all throughout the season, mm. and he's in the middle of the pack, and he may be a brilliant driver, but he's struggling being middle of the pack. Yep. Um, I don't rate them even a top ten. I think he will find trouble, just like he does every other race. Always does, yeah. All right, Rick Kelly, and uh, he has got David Russell beside him, starting out of 13th. Adrian, do you give him a, a top ten or a top five chance? Uh 
I'd say top 10 or 5, they're starting from a good position. They seem to be the only Kelly Racing car that can get a bit of speed out. Um, if Todd is struggling tomorrow, then the focus will, will go on that car and that entry, so it'll get fa- preference in terms of strategy, pit stops, that sort of thing. So I think they could get a top 10, but they just don't have the raw pace, and they haven't had a good run over here in the last few years, so uh, probably top 10 at best. All right, then. Uh, just on, uh, they missed out on the top 10 berth in the shootout by a poof team. Uh, it was literally three three hundreds or something like that. And so Rick's really been able to find s- some speed. David's got good experience here. It hasn't had the pressure of the development series drives this year. Just focused totally on this. Um, I'd put him in for a top ten finish. I would, really. All right, then. No, seriously, besides anything else. Do you want to put a disclaimer of, on that? Yeah, I'd, I'd manage Dave Russell as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the eight team VOC car is uh, Jason Bright. Brett Jones Racing are quick traditionally here. They are normally good for a podium once every two or three years. Well, that's right. And we spoke earlier about Patrizzi getting a uh, a grid position penalty. That's because he held up Jason Bright during the qualifying. Uh, Bright was on his his fast lap, and uh, Bright could have been much faster. He could have been in the top ten. So I think that's the one that uh, is there to surprise people from uh, starting a bit further back. Jason Bright's lap when he got held up, uh, according to the data, was going to be the equal of Coulthard's, which would have popped him second in qualifying. So they got a lot of speed, and uh, you'd, you'd have to have rocks in your head if you said these guys aren't a good chance at a podium. And remember that uh, Andrew Jones has been driving in the development series all year, so you know, he's dialled in, uh, he's experienced, and uh, you know, he's right up to it. All right, the 19 car of Jonathan Webb. An up-and-down season, obviously there's a lot of pressure with not having the funding they require to, to, to be in the game full-time, but they are normally always there and about. Yeah, look, Jonathan's been incredibly impressive um, this season and last season. Um, the team, I think their engineering, Bruce Jenkins does a superb job. They've always got fast cars. Um, obviously here they've been a bit, you know, not too far uh, separated in terms of Michael and Jonathan, but I think they're a good chance for a result. I mean, Jonathan can do it. Um, they, they've got a pair of good steers. It's just a matter of um, everything else sort of falling into place. But the cars are good. The cars are quick. All right, the best performed of the Dick Johnson racing cars Started ninth in provisional qualifying, but was bumped down to 10th at the end of the shootout. And is Steve Owen's biggest problem, his car owner, is his co-driver? <laughs> um, Paul Morris hasn't shown uh, a real uh, uh, flair or consistency driving in the development series when he makes appearances. Um, yeah, you're right, that, that is a, a bit of a wild card. Uh, you know, the, the wild man could undo what would, would otherwise be a solid top five chance. Yeah, I, I'm not prepared to add any more to um, I mean, Paul certainly wasn't the uh, flavour of the day at Sandown after a couple of incidents down there as well. I mean, um, but, you know, that said, I mean, you don't see Paul Morris do too many silly things up here. Um, so I don't think he's the liability here that he can be somewhere else because of his temperament or his approach to the racing. So, and, and they say this place is all about experience, and it's true. And so Paul's got plenty of that here. So if he keeps it clean, Steve can do all the fast-paced stuff. So they should Steve's get had second places mm. and five top fives in his mm. career mm. or something like that here at the mountain. So we he's a very well-credentialed driver, yeah. Also consider the fact that he's the only DJR car in the 10. And he's you know led the way for that team, so that's pretty impressive in itself. The biggest loser of the shootout is the man that's carrying the Brock Tribute livery, 
you can't call it a Brock livery because it looks nothing like a Brock car that you ever saw on the track. But uh, it's a tribute livery. It's and, an inverse Brock. Yes. And uh, it's LeBrock, yeah, and we saw him yeah. take out the Australian Formula Ford Championship today. But uh, starting out of ninth, and really once we, once you get to about 15, all those guys are not only podium chances, they are race win chances. Oh, for sure. I mean, how can you just get great rounds? I mean, you know, he's, he's a megastar. He, he can drive anything. The car can be having problems all over the place and he'll drive around them. He, he's a seat-of-the-pants sort of driver. He's not as technical as Jamie Winkup, but he's a very, very good driver when the car's not up to the job. Um, but I think the car is up to the job. I think it's not good over one lap, but I think for a race it'll be fine, as we talked about earlier. The significant thing about his poor qualifying is that when it comes to safety cars and the whole field comes in for a pit stop, he's going to have to stack. Yeah. yeah. Not, not just that, but he is, what, uh, seven positions behind Jamie, so it's unlikely he can make that up in the first or second stint um, unless something happens to Jamie. So he is likely to be behind Jamie come first pit stop, and that could be crucial, as you saw last year. I don't think that's necessarily true, because I think what you, you might see is that Triple Eight might start one co-driver um, and start Lowndes in his car. Um, they can't afford to, to take the risks with the Lowndes car they can with the other one, and last year they started both co-drivers. Um, so this year you may see them start, um, start uh, Paul Dumbrell at the start and, and Craig, and I think if that's the case that you can do it. But you'll probably find Craig will pit on somewhere around lap 15 or 16, and depending on how the safety cars fall, he'll be back in the game quite quickly from that point onwards. And typically what always happens here too is teams mirroring each other. So you may not get them pitting at the same time because they'll put one yeah. onto whoever, like what Winterbottom does, and one onto whatever Will's doing. Or it's whatever. a bit like tagging. Yeah, and, and that could actually separate it all up and change the results that way too. So, you know, it's the beauty of this race. You just don't know what's going to happen. You know? I think, it, like anybody who thinks that they can write Craig Lowndes off this race no. because he's qualified ninth, they, they, they must be taking something that I need to take. I, I think that we're underplaying the importance of the safety car. The safety car does compress those different strategies into something very similar in the, the final quarter of the race. Uh, and I think that's when the stacking will bite him on the bum. Yeah, the entertainment safety car comes at about lap 151. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, uh, David Reynolds was the first car out in the shootout and uh, managed to get himself up two grid spots to eight. I have facetiously said uh, all weekend his biggest problem is he doesn't have a full pit crew working on it, and that really cost him at Sandown when he was the race leader coming in for a brake change. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's the only Achilles heel. His driving's great. Sure, he's made a couple of errors here and there, but he's super quick. Um, he's got his head around that car very, very well. But, yeah, every time they come into the pits, you just don't know what's going to happen. What's surprising about the, uh, the disadvantage in those pit stops is, of course, an endurance trim, it takes longer to fill the tanks. Mm. And they've actually slowed down the flow rate mm. to take the pressure off a, a hasty and fumble driver change or anything like that. So there should be enough time to do the brakes. There should be enough time to do a driver change comfortably. There should be enough time for Todd Kelly to, to get scraped out of the car. Um, so, yeah, those things should take pressure off. But you're right, that team still manages to put pressure on themselves, even in those situations. But I think when you talk stacking, in, in this case, you know, they, they share their pit boom with Tim Slade, <clears throat> who's further up the grid than they are. They don't have the luxury this time around, like Lowndes and Winkup, of being the one team making the strategy calls. Now they've got to start trying to work out with, a, with an opposition team what's going on and what's happening. So 
I think the fact that they're behind Tim Slade on the grid is much more significant than Lowndes being behind Wincup on the grid. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned Tim Slade, and for those into numerology, the lucky seven car qualified seventh in qualifying, qualified seventh in the shootout, and is uh, 47. So um, <laughs> the, the fourth one was a stretch ball. I'll go, I'll go out on a limb and say that Tim Slade... Big, big chance for a big result here. You're going to Very, call him a winner or a podium? A podium, um, but, 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 yeah, really good chance. It's a fantastic steer, a great team, good car. The only guy who's got his head around that, um, that Stone Brothers car better than, than the others all season. Um, let's see what he can do. Also, um, co-driver Andrew Thompson came to this race last year with massive pressure on him as Jamie Winkup's co-driver. I think he will enjoy having sort of the spotlight away from him this weekend and he can just you know, show his talent sort of a bit behind the scenes, if you like. Well, Garth qualified eighth. We mentioned about his dramas in the qualifying session, but in the shootout, he's up to six and you can never write off Garth Tander. No, you can't, but it's, it's a long day to be driving with a car that probably isn't all that great, so... Um, I think the HRT guys are struggling, as you can see from the times from Ingle and Courtney. So, um, as I say, you can't write Tander off, but gee, you know, do you really want a tough day? I tell you what, the, the media that do attend the Dunlop Series press conferences are still all picking their jaws up off the floor, as uh, you heard in the news from the comments he made about Chas Mozart after he had won the race. So, it'll be very interesting to see if. Those sorts of comments might come back and, and bite you where you least want it. Well, Perkett's three from three from races at Bathurst if you take last year's main game result and then two Dunlop Series races this year. So, he, you know, confidence is high. There is more pressure on him this year, obviously. He's the defending champ. So, interesting to see how he goes tomorrow. Remembering as well, last year he had a few scrapes of the wall and in practice as well, he's, you know, been on a very fine edge. So, if they're pushing hard to try and make up for the speed that they don't have, that could be interesting. All right, then to uh, the continued the grid, we're into the top five now, and it's uh, Fabian Coulthard. They asked in the press conference on Saturday if uh, he thought he was surprised to be there. Well, after the shootout, he had uh, dropped down to fifth place, but still, maybe surprise is not the right word? No, not at all. I mean... Um, Fabian had a lot of trouble getting some temperature into his tyres for the first corner. He was the fastest guy in the mid-sector and the second fastest guy in the final sector. So it's only that first corner that cost him a really good grid slot there. Um, These guys, this car is good. Um, Brad Jones Racing is very good up here. Um, If the weather's tomorrow, I haven't looked at the forecast, but if it's anything like it was today, it's going to fall back to the teams who are smart and the quick thinkers. And Brad Jones Racing, there's no better at thinking on their feet than these guys. So he's in with a real shot. Do they have a a weakness, the co-driver, David Bernard? (laughs) You could argue that, I suppose. I mean, Bezzy's done a couple of strange things up here. But at the end of the day, Bezzy, if, if he's got his head in the right space tomorrow, he'll be able to do exactly what is required of him. Um, and I think you'll find that um, Brad Jones Racing and, you know, with Brad and Kim and, you know, a couple of their good mechanics and engineers, Wally Story and so forth. That, well, uh, Phil. Yeah, well, Phil sometimes. You know, he's a bit, bit, bit jittery at times. I've watched him in the shootout and he can't sit still. But, um, you know, they'll keep him straight, I think, tomorrow. And I, I don't think Bezzy's going to be a drama. Uh, as I say, I, I, I rate these guys as a very serious chance for the race win. All right, now you've got a great story about that pairing. About Fabian and Bezzy. And Bezzy. 
which two is two of the biggest crashes. Oh, well, that's right. Yes, of course. Uh, something that nobody picked up on yesterday was the fact that two of the biggest crashes we've seen here in the last two years were these two drivers. Fabian two years ago with that massive tumble, tumble, rollover tumble, roll, 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 out, of, out of the chase and Bezzy last year when he forgot to pump the brakes and hit the wall so hard it split the car in half. I think that, was, that wasn't Mountain... That was, Ma- it was Griffin, 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 Griffin's yeah. band. Yeah. He hit the wall that hard, the car split in half and it was a huge fireball. <laughs> you think, um, yeah, in the last two years that those two guys have seen the worst of it. But yeah, as, This as, could be the biggest of redemptions then. Well, yeah, and as Andrew said, look, Bezzy is fast. He's very fast. So as long as they, they get his head right and make sure that they're telling him everything he needs to do and, and he concentrates... Bezzy, pump the brake. Concentrates <laughs> on driving. Look, and we know how good Fabian is as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the podium at all. I think they're a real podium chance. Fourth fastest qualifier is Mark Winterbottom in the Orcon Steel Falcon. The 77 livery has hit a lot of notes here and a lot of positive chords. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And um, how great would it be if they get a formation finish tomorrow, you know, one, two. Um, I think, yeah, no pressure. Um, I think Frosty will be disappointed he's behind Davo, to be honest. I think, um, you know, he would have liked to have had that um, advantage of being ahead, being able to dictate strategy and when he stops. And um, But he's not far off fourth. Um, he'll be in the mix tomorrow, definitely. I think Richo's a good co-driver and he knows how to win around here. Mm. All right, the SP Tools car is sixth to third in the shootout. Yeah, not a bad effort at all there. I mean, um, Gizzy uh, talked about it. He, he's saying, you know, he went in some corners and found he could have gone faster, so he went into the next corner faster and thought he should have gone a bit slower. So, you know, he's learning. We still forget that Gizzy, you know, he's not that old, really. I mean, uh, he's been around for a while, but he's still fairly young. But he's quick, you know, at the end of the day. Stone Brothers, we know, know how to win these things. I mean, it's a long time since they've won one, but uh, they have one up here. And uh, maybe they just sit there and they think, oh, we need a win here because this is our last time in Fords and whatever. But, you know, yeah, another good shot. But I um, don't know. I don't have the same confidence with them as I do with the Coulthard-Besnard uh, combination. All right, then. The front row. And it is Team Vodafone. is Jamie Winkup, who is supremely confident and at the top of his game. Paul Dumbrell, who's not done anything wrong. No, he hasn't, hasn't put a foot wrong again. Fast guy, we know he's made mistakes in the past. I think as a co-driver, though, in a car like that, he should be fine. Really, Jamie's the guy who's got to do all the really incredible pace stuff, and he'll be fantastic at it. Um, it'll be a real battle off the line, too, with Will, Will and um, Jamie. They're both really good starters. They both got, um, obviously both want to beat each other more than anything. But long, long race tomorrow, and I think that, um, obviously, three-time winner could make it four times as well. I mean... He's just superb. What do you say? I mean, as you say, everybody wants to lead that first lap at Bathurst, you know. You want the the footage of your car coming across the top of the mountain. You want the crowd going nuts for you. Um, But these guys, um, Team Vodafone, uh, it's it's the team to beat up here, you know. They don't make too many mistakes, you know. They get it right more often than not, obviously. And, you know, what have they got, you know, four wins out of five or six or something ridiculous. And, you know, they are the team to beat overall. Um, this car's second on the grid as opposed to Craigie's ninth, so you know you got to say, uh, if he doesn't go into tomorrow as favourite, then uh, you know there's something wrong with the way people are assessing it. I think it's perfectly appropriate that those two teams are one and two. Mm. Uh, they're the, the form, form teams all year, and uh, it could be an exciting turn one. There's been a bit of needle between them, uh, you know, mostly between Win Cup and Winterbottom, but I'm sure there's uh, a bit of additional bragging rights and team pressure on uh, taking that turn number one. 
Well, the car that is on the pole is the Trading Post Ford Performance Racing car. He was fourth quickest in regular qualifying, and he is the pole sitter. And the, the, the emotional scenes down in the FPR garage when they came across the line were, uh, were fantastic. Yeah, I think the thing with FPR is they haven't had a great Bathurst record, as we've all said, over and over coming to this event. So for them to grab pole just sort of you know, eases the nerves a bit, maybe, gives them a bit of extra confidence. Um, yeah, it's great for Davo. Um, he loves this place. You know, he, he's one of those drivers who appreciates the history and the meaning and significance of it all. And um, so I think he was very, very happy with it to be a pole sitter here. And I think, um, yeah, he'll be right in there. I think the interesting thing is that both Will and Jamie have their best ever qualifying performances here. Um, you know, Jamie's never qualified second, which you know, it comes as a bit of a surprise when you think about his qualifying record. Um, and Will this year has just been superb in qualifying. I mean, you know, so to see the two fastest cars up there, um, two great qualifying drivers. You know, racing's obviously a completely different story to what's gone on today. Um, and from what I understand, the FPR guys are saying, you know, they've done quite a bit of running on full tanks. They've tested those cars over, you know, simulated race distances. They think they're looking pretty good. Um, so I reckon that by the time it settles down tomorrow and you've got those two 1977 uh, mimicking Ford Falcons running with Jamie Wincup for the win, um, it's going to be an interesting day. Would it be fair to say that uh, for Will, his performance is linked to his confidence, he needs momentum, and uh, does qualifying pole actually help him a, a big deal? I think Davison's a confidence driver. When he's on fire, he really is on fire and he lifts his game. When he's a bit down, it's reflected in the results. And I think we saw that at the start of the year where he was just on fire. So I think that pole will help him overnight, might help him sleep easier, and I think it'll help his mindset for tomorrow. I think an important point too is the... The FBR expectation level has increased so much this year. So, you know, when you land a fourth or something, well, the team isn't, you know, they're clapping and that, but they expect to be number one all the time now. This is something the team has lacked since day one. Finally, this season, it's there. It's B1 or nothing. Not that the rest is terrible, but that's what they aim for. So, thankfully, that expectation has resulted in everybody lifting their game. Uh, including the drivers. The drivers are pushing each other harder than they've ever done before. Um, I think they're in for a great day tomorrow. McIntyre is my only concern with Will. I don't think he's terrible, but has he got the speed of some of the other co-drivers? I don't know. Uh, Co-driver speed doesn't worry me too much so long as they don't stuff it in a wall, I think. But uh, I think every driver out there who's in contention would be feeling the pressure of being the last Ford or Holden only winner of this race so you know it's not just this big 50th thing that they keep pumping up there this is the last Ford versus Holden Bathurst and uh, you can't tell me that you know it's not going to mean something if you were the last winner in this era Um, so I think yeah they're all going into it tomorrow thinking yeah this is the last chance to do this. All right (laughs) the big moment for you all here is winners and outsider for a podium Adrian Mussolino. I'm going to go Lowndes and Luff. I just think they've got the runs on the board. As Sandown proved, it doesn't matter where they qualify, they'll come through in the end, particularly the end of stints. I think that's where Craig's strength is, where the tyres aren't great and he can he can rag lap out of it, especially around a place like this. Surprise for a podium. Um, I don't know if it's much of a surprise, but I'd say Jason Bright and Andrew Jones um, could get up there. All right, Peter? Uh, unlike some others, I don't mind a punt. Um, and, and I'll have to go out uh, first thing tomorrow morning and find out what the odds are. Uh, I think Jason Bright. Uh, we, for the we, win. For the win. Um, we, we've, you know, it may need a, something a little unusual to happen. 
Um, but uh, you know, you, you, as a punter, you, you balance out the odds versus the uh, the opportunity, and I reckon that one's the, where I'll uh, put my money down. All right. Uh, what about a roughie for the podium? Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Win cup. <laughs> yeah. no, my roughie will be on the top set. Okay. Uh, look, cool. I'm, not, I'm not going past um, Frosty and Richo for a win here. I think, you know, he's tried very, very hard to win this before. Uh, Richo's done it twice before. Um, let's see what they can do. I think that they're, you know, seriously looking like, you know, the goods. Can I um, predict something? Number seven, perhaps, for the yeah, uh, podium? Yeah, I say, yeah. <laughs> for the surprise podium, I'd, I'd go for Tim Slade. Um, I think the combination there is good. I think that they've had a great weekend. If they just keep doing what they're doing, they could come home with a good reward. All right. Andrew? Uh, I'm going to go uh, take the best out of each of them. Uh, I reckon Winterbottom and Richards will win the race. Um, I think it's time for FPR. I think they've started to get their act together and uh, I think as a driver combination, that's the best combination there. I think, yeah, Richo's got the experience, he's got the speed, he's the two-time winner. So, yeah, I, I think they've got what it takes to win this year. Um, so I'm going with Paul Lair, and for my Smokey, I'm going with the other two, and I think Jason Bright will be on the podium. Well, it's going to be a fantastic 1,000. We're all agreed on that. On the White Flag Lap, we speak to Charlie Swerkold about some rumours that we've been hearing going around the pit lane. But... Thanks very much to Adrian Mussolino, Peter Norton, Paul Marinelli and Andrew Clark here in the Bathurst Press Centre. And we've probably saved ourselves six or seven hours tonight on discussing the whole race by doing it on tape. Daylight savings coming. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> and the proper pronunciation of AMG is... Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On the White Flag Lab, there's been a number of rumours about Charlie Swarcourt since Sandown, and the V8 Insiders asked him if there was any truth in any of them. Yeah, I don't know what these rumours are really, but it's absolute rot. Um, um, all my bills are paid up, and uh, there's, there's no issue at all. Well, if I can put both of them to you, one was that you owed money to FPR, and the second one was V8 supercars have fined you for progress on Car of the Future. They're, they're the two that are sort of circulating. I think I decided where we're going with the Car of the Future and locked in with FPR, I think it was about May or June. June, it was probably June. And uh, so there's, there's no issue from uh, V8 supercars at all. You know, I've locked in to, to where I'm going in the future and, and so that's all good. And as far as FPR going, yeah, sure, I'm buying a car and all that sort of stuff. Um, the car's not ready to the end of the year. I've made my payments already up to date. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's all complete rubbish. So it's someone stirring a pot up probably. And, and uh, why, why? No idea why. Absolutely no idea why. But uh, you might want to have a chat to Tim Edwards at FPR. But everything's cool there. So, so all going well. Can't wait to race next year. And uh, should be great. What has it been like sitting on the sidelines and uh, watching, knowing that you're going to be back into this so soon? Yeah, no, it'll be good. I'm really excited about it, but it's been a little bit frustrating. I'm, I'm in sort of nowhere land at the moment, you know, but I'm, I'm learning how they do things in the team and everything, and, uh, no, it's, it's really exciting, but 
yeah, as I said, I can't wait. You took your time to make the decision, so you haven't jumped in at all. You've gone up and down Pitland Road to find the best fit for you. Absolutely. Look, I this is the best fit for sure. It's, it's a factory team, Ford factory team, so that's really exciting. Um, FPR, ProDrive, they're really good people. They know what they're doing. They've got the speed at the moment. Their team seems to gel, and by far this is the best fit for me. I had a look at everyone, but uh, no, this is... This is really exciting and, and uh, by far the best place to, to put Car 18 licence. Well, who's going to be your tip for this year's 1000? Woo, that's a big one. Um, uh, let me think. Going for Car 52, actually. There's a bit of a, uh, a wild one out there. And uh, so, yeah. Now, will you race 18 next year or have you decided on what number you want to be? Yeah, no, look, my, my rec number... Is number 18, it is assigned to me, so at this stage it'll be number 18. Well, it is, it's number 18. And no thoughts of changing that? No. No. Alright. And that's all we've time for on the night before the 1000. Join us next week for all the news from the Great Mountain Race as the Checker Flag waves over another edition of the Van Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.